this evening, and, and it's, it's, you know, sort of condensed, but, but in the Christmas season, you know, there's a lot of churches, a lot of people that, that follow the Advent, the four sessions that lead up to Christmas, and there's, it's called Advent, and Advent means the coming of Christ, and this is the first Advent. There will be a second Advent when Jesus comes again, but there's some, some themes to it, and so last week, anybody remember what the theme was last week? Hope. It was a hope. And so, does anybody know what the theme would be for the second Sunday? Peace. And how does Patty know? Hmm? Anybody, all right, let's go one out. Anybody know what next week should be? Joy. Love is the fourth week. All right? So, you got them all four. But, but so, so, the one today is peace. All right? Now, is it a giveaway that it's peace on earth? Is that how you got the answer? Huh? All right. Well, let's look at some things. And so, so I'm going to do just a quick review, and then we're going to look at some, some important things, and we'll teach you a Greek word, I mean, a, a Hebrew word today. We'll start using that starting next Sunday. But last Sunday morning, we looked at a passage of scripture out of what book? Anybody remember? Old Testament starts with an I. Isaiah. Isaiah. Okay, so we looked at Isaiah last, last week. We had three different passages of scripture we looked at. And where Isaiah identified Jesus by four different names. Can anybody name those four names? Uh, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, that's a good one. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. And then there was one that had eternal with it. Anybody remember what that was? Eternal Father. So those were the things that he listed. Isaiah called Jesus by these four names. Each has characteristics describing Jesus Christ. All right? And the last one was Prince of Peace. And so that's where I tied this in to peace on earth. And you know that, peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, that's all, all about what this Christmas season is. But here, each name identified different characteristics about Jesus. They talked about him, and, and we broke those down last week, okay? Talked about what it meant to be wonderful. Talked about what it meant to be a counselor. We talked about what it meant to be almighty, okay? All those things that we talked about. Now, each is specific. Now, peace is one of the main characteristics of Jesus Christ, all right? Peace is one of the main characteristics of Jesus Christ. So listen to this. He came in peace, all right? No big uproar about his arrival. He came in peace, he lived in peace. His whole world for 33 plus years revolved around peace, all right? And he provided peace. Here we go. Past, present, and where? We can count on it, all right? Because we know he's coming again, all right? So he provided peace. Now, let's look at this definition that I put on, your, on the top of your page. Peace, and this, this Hebrew word is shalom. Say it together with me. Shalom. All right, now you know some Hebrew. All right, so what does that mean? Peace. Peace is what it means. All right, so let's look at, let's look, open that up. Let's look at that definition I gave you. Peace, shalom, a concept in the Bible that most commonly relates to a relationship of love and loyalty with God and one another. Now, how many, have we been talking about relationships with one another and relationships with God? All right, so that's what we've been talking about. So that's what the Bible talks about, and that the definition of peace out of the, the Bible relates back to the word shalom, all right? And so from now on, when we meet each other, we're going to say shalom, and everybody won't know what we're talking about, all right? All right? So in the Old Testament, peace carries the fundamental meaning, and here's what it means when you talk about peace. When you go back into the Old Testament, this is what it meant. When the people used the word peace, 
in their greetings and, and when they used it. Here's what it meant, all right? The term, um, it meant welfare, prosperity, or wholeness, as well as absence of hostility, all right? So the op- opposite of hostility is peace, all right? Peace of a nation, peace among people, peace opposite of war, okay? All right, it still has some, some similar uh, meaning today, all right? The term is frequently used as a, a, a synonym of, and here's what it means, what is good, all right? And that's what peace means, what is good. The characters in the Bible use the term peace, the characters in the Bible use the term peace in a friendly greeting or also a farewell statement. So they would say shalom when they encountered each other, just like the people in Hawaii say what? Aloha. All right? Coming and going. You don't really know the difference, right? All right? Shalom's the same way. They would say it when they met each other as a friendly greeting or when a farewell statement. Now, to communicate the absence of hostility. And that's what they're talking about. All right? So now, in the Old Testament, the term peace is often used to describe a relationship characterized Friendship, care, loyalty, and love, all right? Now, these relationships can be with God or between people. We know that. A close friend in the Old Testament commonly called, he was called a man of peace, all right? And that's what they called each other, all right? Now, let's look at Psalm. The Bible says, has a lot to say about peace, and the first one we're going to look at is Psalm 4, chapter, uh, verse 8, all right? It says here, now, some of these are a little bit different than, than the Christmas story, but it's because they all point to Jesus Christ. All right? Old Testament, New Testament, they all point to Jesus Christ, whether it's the Christmas story or 400 years plus before he, was, he got here. Now, I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord. Make me live in safety. Anybody know who the psalmist is in this one? Take a, take a roll, some, not roll dice, that wouldn't be a good tournament here, would it? David, all right? So this is David speaking. Well, did David have obstacles in his life? Did David have war in his life? Was he in battle after battle and and different things? All right, so see, David's talking about this. Now, this is David. I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord. Make me live in safety. So let's just just uncover this, what's going on with David. David praised God for the peace that God had placed in his heart. God placed peace inside of David's heart. All right? So he praised him for that. That's the first thing he did. He praised him for that. All right? Before the battle that he had fought and won. All right? God had given him rest the night before, and now he would give him rest again knowing that God was his shield. All right? So in the battles, he gave him peace before the battles, and he gave him peace after the battles, in between the battles, because he knew God was his shield. Now, the Hebrew word for peace is what? Shalom, all right, which means much more than just absence of conflict. It means a lot more than absence of hostility, all right? That's what it does mean, but it means a lot more than that. It carries with it the idea of adequate for life, confidence, and not just life, but fullness of life. Just like Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it what? More abundantly, all right? So that's what it means. Now look at Isaiah 26, 3. Did I skip one? All right, we'll go back up to Isaiah. I got it out of order, don't I? I got it out of order on your handout, but not in my little sheet here, all right? You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Now, this peace is valid for all those who turn their minds 
to God's spiritual realities. So as we're talking about the mind, you would keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace for, your, for it is trusting in you. This is a peace that's valid for all those who turn their minds to Jesus Christ, turn their minds to God and the spiritual realities that he provides. All right, This peace is a message of hope. And consolation to the people of Judah. When you go back and look at what he's talking about, this was peace and hope for the people of Judah to whom Isaiah was actually writing the scripture to, but it also applies to us today. All right? So anything in the scriptures where it's, where it's talking about the actual uh, people that it was written to at that day and time, it also applies to us. And that's what we need to look at. All right, now jump back down to Luke 2.14. This is the common one. This one comes with us with our uh, Christmas story, Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. All right? The Jewish word shalom, which is peace, means much more than the truce in the battle of life. It means well-being. It means health. It means prosperity. It means security. It means soundness. And it means completeness. So, so shalom has a lot of value. It has a lot of meaning, and when you look at it in all the different aspects of the Scripture and the way it's described throughout Scripture, all right, it has to do more with character than, to, than circumstances, all right? So it has to do more with character than circumstances. Life was difficult at the time Jesus was born. We know that, all right, just as it is today. I mean, you think about the, the time when Jesus was born. You think about where he had to be born. You think about the journey that they had to take. You think about why they had to take the journey. This is always a difficult issue. When you look at the distance that they had to travel, it was 90 to 100 miles on a, on a walking or either on the back of a donkey, all right? But it was a difficult issue. Life was difficult then. When you go back and look at it, it you know, history shows us that taxes were high. That was the whole reason they were having to go get registered. Unemployment was high. Jobs were scarce. Morales were slipping lower and lower. And the military state was in control, all right? Now, Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even Jewish religion could not meet the needs of people in their hearts. And here's what happened. Then God sent who? Jesus. All this is going on. All this conflict is taking place. And then God sends his son for a real purpose. All right? Now, the angels praise God at creation. We know that if you go back to Genesis, you see where the angels praise God at creation. And now they praise him at the beginning of the new creation. It's when Jesus Christ is born. So the whole purpose of the plan of salvation is to do what? To glorify who? God. That's the whole plan of salvation. So it can bring us back into justification, bring us back in a right relationship with God. But it's for the glory of God. All right? Look at Philippians 4, 7. And I'll give you a little bit extra on this one. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's, a, that's, a, that's one that you should memorize. That's one that you should have in your arsenal. That's the one that when you need it, you can go to it. Because we all at times need peace. And that's one that I lean on a lot of times because God provides the peace that is greater than any other type of peace. It's greater than anything else. He gives us that peace that's inner peace. All right? It's not a temporary peace. It's a satisfying, permanent peace. All right? It surpasses anything that we understand in, in a human aspect. All right? 
Paul counseled us to take everything to God in prayer. We knew that. Pray for everything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything and pray without ceasing. Okay? Now, here's the thing that I, I looked at. We are prone to pray about the big things in life and forget to pray about the little things until they do what? When they become big things. We pray about the big things. We pray about the significant things in our life, and we forget to pray about the little things. You know, And that's the thing is God wants to be involved in the little things just like the big things, and we want to take them all to him. Pray about everything and don't worry about anything. All right? Now, talking to God about everything that concerns us and him is the first step toward a victory over this word called worry. All right? There's not a word. It doesn't say in the Bible that we should worry about anything. All right? It says we should worry about nothing. Because when you worry about something then you, and, and you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe in God the Father, then you think that that problem is greater than what he can handle. And he can handle everything. And I'm not saying we're not concerned about things. And I'm not saying that we have emotional issues that cause us to have deep concerns about things and, and give us a lot of pressure and things like that. That's a different issue. But God can handle all things, and that's why we shouldn't worry about those things. All right? All right. Now, Scripture teaches us that Paul was uh, chained to a Roman soldier guarded day and night. We know that. All right? He was, he was chained to a Roman soldier and guarded day and night, all right? Now, it is similar in this manner that the prince of God stands guard over the two areas that create worry, all right? What are the two areas in our body physically that is where worry takes place? Mind and heart. Those are the two physical areas, and that's where God steps in. That's where the Holy Spirit steps in, all right? When we give our hearts to Christ, we experience peace with God, but the peace of God takes us a step further into his blessings, all right? We have peace with God, but the peace of God takes us further into the blessings that he has for us. Now, this does not mean the absence of trials on the outside. It doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficult situations. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have tribulation in times in our life that are very difficult. But what it does mean, it gives us quiet confidence on the inside regardless of the circumstances that we're dealing with on the outside all right so let's look at colossians chapter one two verses and i give you some things that are important in these two verses because i want these things to stand out all right two verses 19 and 20 for god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven by making what Peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God's talking about Jesus Christ here. All right? So because Jesus Christ is God, he is able to do what no human could ever do, and that is to reconcile lost sinners to a holy God. The only way we would ever have a right relationship with God, the only way we could have justification and a right relationship and stand before a holy God is through the sacrifice of a, a perfect Savior, and that was Jesus Christ. All right? Now, we'll look a little bit further. When the first man and woman, which is Adam and Eve, sinned, this is what this is where the the hostility thing comes into play, all right? They declared war on God, whether they knew it or not. 
when they sinned, they declared war on God. Now, sin is the opposite of God. He is not part of sin. He hates sin, all right? And it is war against God, what they declared. But God, and that's what I love about this. Anytime you hear, hear anything that says, but God did not declare war on them. Instead, God did what after Adam and Eve? What did he do? He, he sought after them. He went after them. He called after them, Right? He didn't, he didn't turn on them. He didn't discipline them to the point to where because they had disobeyed him, he sought after them, and he tried to draw them to himself. And that's where I put these things here. Um, <clears throat> there are three important truths in these two verses of Scripture. This is what I want you to pick up on, and I put those down for you. All right? Jesus Christ has taken care of all things. Every single thing, every sin, every issue has all been placed on his strong shoulders on the cross. He's taken care of all things. All things were created by him and for him. That's what the scripture says. He created all things. All things were created by him. He created them for his own pleasure. All right? And he created them for him. But all things were created by him. He existed before all things. And today he holds all things together. And this is kind of a review. I mean, we've talked about this, how he holds everything together. He has reconciled all things through his sacrifice on the cross. That was number one. All right? Now, number two, Jesus Christ is all that we need. There's nothing else we need. He's all that we need. He's the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's no need to add anything to the person or the work of Jesus Christ. All right? Number three, God is pleased when his son, Jesus Christ, is honored and given the glory that he rightly deserves. When we honor him, when we glorify him, that is what pleases God. All right? Look at Proverbs 16, 7. When a person... When a person's ways please the Lord, he makes, every, uh, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. All right? When you align yourself under God's program and under his providence, it leads to his blessings. And most of those blessings are reserved for eternity. So we may get blessings on this lifetime, but God has many, many more blessings waiting for us in eternity. All right? So, but God can cause the most extraordinary things to happen in history when our ways please him. So when, when we do what he's asked us to do, when we're obedient to what he tells us to do, then that's what pleases him. All right, John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as, a, as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking before he ascends back to heaven and before he's going to uh, be crucified, all right? And he's talking about the peace that he's going to give them, all right? People in the world walk by sight and depend on the externals, all right, the things that they can see. When people live of the world, they have to see it. And maybe some people say, I'm a visual learner. If I don't see it, I don't believe it, all right? So that's the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Christians walk by faith and depend on the eternals, which is completely different than the externals. The Spirit of God reaches us, teaches us that the Word, wait a minute, the Spirit of God teaches us His Word, teaches us God's Word, and He guides us into the truth. He also reminds us that what He has taught us, when He has taught us so that we can depend on God's Word in difficult times in our life. 
The Spirit uses the Word of God to give us peace. And that's what we lean into the Bible. And that's where these scriptures are doing. If we, if we need peace, for instance, you take this hand out and keep it handy. And when you're dealing with issues and you need peace, these are the verses you should just go back to and just read through them again. And, and let the Holy Spirit open them up to you again to see how they can provide peace. All right, Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's two, two quick things. One is condemnation is what he's talking about here, and the other one's justification. Condemnation means that God declares us sinners. I mean, we are all sinners. We're born of sinful nature, and we're all declared sinners, all right, which is a declaration of war, which is what I just told you. When sin entered into this world, it declared war on God, all right? Now, justification means that God declares us righteous. He says we're righteous. When we fall under Jesus Christ, when we become uh, believers under Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, then God declares us righteous, which is a declaration of peace, which is exactly the opposite of war that we've been talking about, all right? Made possible by Christ's death on the cross. Now, Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. Let's look at those two verses. For he is our peace who made both groups one, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility, all right, in one flesh. He made no effect, uh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. So he's bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together under one roof, so to speak, all right? Jesus is our peace when we place our faith and trust in him because we are his children, and he is the Prince of Peace. Now, the church, when we look at it, the church, the body of Christ, is God's new creation. And that's the difference from the old and the new. And then last scripture, verse um, Ephesians 4, 3, says this. Making every effort to keep the unity and spirit through the bond of peace. And this, there's some important words in here. Obviously, peace is one, but unity is another one. Unity is very important in the scriptures. It's very important in the church. It's very important in the body of believers. Now, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. And so the distinction between these two, unity comes from within and is a spiritual grace, which uniformity is a result of pressure from the outside. So unity comes from having the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and that's what unifies the church together under one, uh, one body, all right? Uniformity has to do with pressures from the outside, which means to, to shape things uh, to fit a certain uniformity situation, but that's pressure from the outside. Unity comes from within, and it, it is spiritual grace, all right? Paul, the Apostle Paul, used the human body as a picture of the Christian unity, and this is, this is just cut and dried. Every part of the body is different from the other parts. The human body has a lot of different parts. They're all different. Now, with the exception of my hands are the same, my arms are the same, my legs, feet are the same, with the exception of Stephen, who's not here. I hate when Stephen's not here because sometimes I miss out on, on a good, you know, good comedy act there. But anyhow, so, so the thing is, all these things are different, but it's one body. Every part of the body is different from the other parts, yet all these different parts make up one body that work together. All right, got to have all these different parts. All right, so peace on earth, and that's, that's a, a little bit of information on that. And so just want to lean on those scriptures when you need them. Any questions? All right, all right.
I'm going to pray and close our session out, and then we're going to enter into our business meeting this evening. So, Father God, just thank you for this evening. Thank you for, for this day. What an awesome day it's been. God, I know the weather has been 